We've Been Wonderful podcast, your weekly dose of weirdness with me, James, the king of doing stuff and then doing other stuff. Uh, on this show, we take a journey into the minds of strange people doing strange things. And this show, we're all about putting our finger on the pulse of society, the psyche of society, trying to understand people, their behavior, what motivates them to do what they do. And we try to figure out that through various things misconnections psychology journals peer-reviewed studies weird news stories a never-ending source of social insights and i have discovered you've been coming on a journey with me as i discover this so some of you might know i do another podcast it's like a comedy advice podcast called the advisory and i was putting together an episode for tonight actually we're we're streaming an episode tonight and it's all about obsessive oversharing on social media and you know how people have run into instances of finding that their love interest is posting their private arguments on TikTok or that in one case this woman told her mum something about uh you know they're pregnant and they're going to do some big announcement and the mum went and shared it to social media straight away in another case, uh, a guy writes a blog. His wife has asked him, hey, don't post anything about me on there. I don't want you know my shit on the internet. And he does post stuff on there because apparently he's um, a fucking piece of shit. And now that's potentially dredged up this lost member of his wife's family and he's passed on her personal information to them so they can reach out. It's a whole big thing. The episode it should be out by the time that this episode's out, but it's it's called Viral Regrets, Obsessive Oversharing on Social Media. And uh, we found a bunch of questions where people are, you know, asking, yeah, how the fuck do I deal with people oversharing stuff about me? How do I stop oversharing stuff about myself? And it led me to discover something called sad fishing, which is where you post emotional and dramatic personal content to gain sympathy or attention from an online community. And it says that sad fishing is a relatively recent term, but fishing for sympathy on and offline is not a new behavior. The boy who cried wolf from Aesop's fables was sad fishing when he tricked the villagers into rushing to his aid. Sad fishing is increasingly being used to accuse people of attention seeking and criticize or belittle online content, whether they're sad fishing or not. So a new study has delved into why we love to engage in sad fishing online and what it means for our attachment styles. It says here, social media's newfound encouragement for everything hashtag unfiltered and authentic is providing even more fertile ground for us to share our woes, big or small. It's no surprise then that in recent years, psychologists have started to delve deeper into the concept known as sad fishing. Coined by writer Rebecca Reed, it's described as the act of posting emotional or dramatic personal content to gain sympathy or attention online. From deeply personal captions to the cryptic classics, don't even get me started on the day I've had. It's all about, it's all too tempting to turn to our online community when the things get tough. While it may sound cynical, it's simply human instinct to crave external validation and social approval. It goes without saying that we're social creatures. We're a culture of sharers celebrating and commiserating with one another at every opportunity which naturally extends beyond our IRL lives and onto our timelines. But why do we really do it? Why do we overshare? 
When it comes to oversharing in general, we often do so out of a desire to connect with others. By opening up about our personal hang-ups, we invite and build emotional intimacy with other people around us, even if that depth is one-sided. It's often not even about their response, but the act of being seen is enough to keep some feelings of loneliness and isolation at bay. But oversharing on social media specifically can also reveal something about our attachment style. New research published in the Journal of American College Health investigating sad fishing found that those who engage in it might be more likely to have an anxious attachment style. Those with a secure attachment style will trust easily and accept love and intimacy, making them less likely to reach out via acts of sad fishing. On the opposite end of the spectrum, avoidance fear letting people get too close and will likely keep the people in their life at arm's length. However, an anxious attachment style involves a fear of abandonment and coming across as needy in relationships. Despite this, the psychologists found that those with an anxious attachment style seek out social connection in ways that are both positive and negative. They might worry that their partner or friends are pulling away from them or feel vulnerable about rejection and seek an ego boost. Which is funny, actually, because, uh, again, in, a recent, in recent episodes of the advisory, we've been, it's really sort of centered around dating and we did sort of two live episodes where a bunch of people came together in the chat to essentially fix David's dating profile. And through that whole journey, we learned that dating apps, the majority of people that use them, it was something like 44.44% of people that use uh, these dating apps are doing it for some type of procrastination ego boost. So in a lot of instances, it's not even about them looking for relationships or partners. They're just like, you know, I'm bored or, you know, I want, uh, you know, I want a bit of an ego boost. So it's interesting that people would engage in this sad fishing for a similar thing. While it's commonplace to partake in sad fishing, we all know that spending too much time on social media can have a negative impact on our health. Large bodies of research on the links between social media and mental health indicate that simply spending time on these apps can lower your mood and increase symptoms of anxiety and depression. Other studies also show a clear connection between social media and loneliness, as well as social media and depression. Researchers also warn that too much sad fishing may be keeping those individuals from getting the help they need because their expressions of sadness aren't recognized as genuine. Quote, when social media users become desensitized to suffering due to the assumption that most people are sad fishing, those who genuinely need the help may not get it. Interesting. So it's kind of, it, it, it really is like the boy who cried wolf. You know, people, if, if people keep sad fishing about shit on the internet, you're eventually just going to think that the majority of people who are posting this negative or self-deprecating or um, sad content about their life are just doing it for some type of, you know, attention-seeking behavior. Now, Psychology Today did a piece on sad fishing as well, and they said that attention-seeking behavior is normal. People are social. We all want the attention of others. It makes us feel loved and safe. Social connection is a primary contributor to our well-being. However, sad fishing describes manipulation. It is the intentional exaggeration of pretending to go through a hard time to get the notice we all desire. When someone labels a post as sad fishing, it's a subjective judgment made by the reader, not the person posting. There is no way to accurately judge the authenticity of a post or the level of distress. 
While some people may be exaggerating to get a response, posting something dramatic is equally likely to be someone reaching out for support or a bit of connection or just to feel less lonely. Someone may want or need attention because they're in emotional distress. There are many reasons why people accuse dramatic or overly emotional posts of being sad fishing. Let's face it, appearing to be miserable to get attention is a trick or a con, pure and simple. The trouble is, it works. People are, for the most part, empathetic and respond to emotional appeals. But no one likes to be duped. It makes them feel gullible and weak. Manipulation is a toxic behavior, and more to the point, it makes people angry. When people are mad or feel vulnerable, they protect themselves. Labeling a post sad fishing as a way to devalue it and get back some of their own. Or it may be a preemptive strike against future cons. Negative posts can bring out the worst in people. Attention is a complex cognitive function. It is a process of selection and interpretation of external information through our five senses. Sight, sound, touch, smell, and the good old one taste. Our, our automatic responses make us pay attention to things that are out of the ordinary to assess their threat level, especially negative ones. Our, interesting, our automatic responses make us pay attention to things that are out of the ordinary to assess their threat level, especially negative ones. That's super interesting because there's, um, I work in marketing and there's all of these people call them, you know, it's genius. It's so genius that they're doing it. And it'll be, you know, things in social media where people are intentionally doing something weird or uh, annoying, or they'll intentionally pronounce words incorrectly. Um, it's called comment baiting. So you're, for instance, if, if you're going to do like a cooking video and you're like walking up to the counter, have your like feet in shot in the first couple frames or whatever and like splay your toes out real weird or do something weird with your feet. That sounds fucking stupid, but that's an actual example of, of something that someone did in a video to comment bait. And it, it was this sort of, it was this sort of like breakdown of the video and they were, they showed you the comment section and it was there just thousands of comments. Like what's going on with their feet? What, what's up with the toe thing? And you know, so dumb shit like that works. I mean, it's not exactly new, but it's kind of like the new spin on it. Or um, there used to be something called, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Ryan Holiday dubbed it as outrage porn. So it would be people who are journalists or copywriters, you know, who are writing like articles for websites and stuff or news outlets would, you know, they would do a bit of research, find out what some hot button issues are, you know, things that people are discussing. And then they would intentionally write an inflammatory piece about something that's being discussed in the zeitgeist, you know, that people on social media are chatting about or whatever. And it's not a position that they personally hold, although they make it out like they actually believe this, you know, crazy thing or, or, or you know, whatever the antithesis of the argument is, again, just to bait people into writing hate comments and sharing it because people are more likely to share something that they don't like and that pisses them off, which is super bizarre. But it's just, it's interesting to see that we have an, an automatic response to pay attention to things that are out of the ordinary to assess their threat level, especially when it's something negative. In the infinite space of social media, emotional content helps us figure out which things to pay attention to. 
Social media makes all kinds of communication easier. And while it changes the relative importance of any single post, the fluidity makes discourse easier, which can be good and bad. Hey, it's super easy to chat about things now. Oh shit, but it's also super easy to chat about things now. Because you tend to think like, yeah, we can communicate better and easier. And then you think that's for, that's for good stuff. But then the people doing the bad stuff can also communicate better and easier now. Is the public display of distress bad? Thanks to co- oh, the C word, thanks to CVID and social isolation, the increased frequency of social media use and the heightened pandemic-related emotional pressures increase the likelihood of more expressions of extreme emotions. That's not necessarily bad. Social media is a great way to feel connected and supported and to be part of a community. Sometimes getting thoughts and feelings out in the open makes us feel better and feedback can normalize experiences by knowing that others feel the same way. There are, however, downsides. Social media is permanent and searchable. Nothing is really private. This sounds like something that was on 60 Minutes in 2008 where they were like, ever heard of a little thing called Facebook? Be careful, everyone. Stop posting your, stop posting all your personal deets, which is funny because it was old people that told us that. And now the boomers are the, I mean, just posting everything, posting it all. My parents will fucking geotag every fucking location they're at, full 8K high res photos of where they are. It's like, I'm surprised they don't hashtag it with their fucking mobile number and their home address. Um, <laughs> it's fine. They won't listen to this. Um, there are, however, downsides. Social media is permanent and searchable. Nothing is really private. Excessive expressions of distress can stick with you and become part of your digital identity available to everyone from grandma to admissions or job recruiters. That's got to be a bit weird when they're like, hey, um... Yeah, no, super excited to get you on board with the role. Uh, Really quick, this video of you sort of like power chugging a cry right into your phone because you didn't get the T-Swizz ticks um, and then you said that you were going to fully murder people to get them. Um, Is this you? It looks a lot like you and it is your full name there on the account. It, It is you, yeah, yeah. Well, that was super searchable. That was sort of like the first result that came up when. We typed your name into Google. So maybe just sort of like, I don't know, like, you know, I don't want to tell you what to do, but like maybe like rethink taking it down or, you know, something like that. Just again, it is the, it is the first thing that comes up when you search your name, which is like, you know, if this was an SEO role, we'd give it to you on the spot, but you know, not really probably what you want at the top of Google for your name, but just every, have a think, have a think about it. Let us know how you feel. Emoting publicly also puts you at risk of being accused of sad fishing, which can be hurtful, especially if you were feeling down in the first place. Yeah, that's true. If you're not sad fishing and you're just like going through it and you, but then like you take to social media to talk about that, which I feel like is its own weird thing. It used to be so much that it was like you kept the ultra personal stuff about you off the internet and people didn't want like, your deepest, darkest, harrowing moments online. It used to be a highlight reel. Now I just feel like it's a reel. It's not a low light reel. It's not a highlight reel. It's just a reel 
It's just a constant reel of things that I'm doing, feeling, and experiencing. And here's me, power huffing a cry because I found my dad dead, which is an actual video that I saw on TikTok. Someone did one of those um, put a finger down challenge videos, but it was specifically about like, hey, put a finger down if you were at Disney with your family um, and your dad said he wasn't feeling great. So he sat at the hotel room and then he came back and then you found him dead or whatever. And she's just like crying into the phone, doing a put a finger down thing. Like, honestly, if you, if you think you have to not think about it for too long, because if you start to think about it for a second, there's too many questions and you'll get lost in a labyrinth of mysteries and questions that you could ask about why someone would do that. And I know that this is the podcast about figuring out why people do that, but I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why they've done that. Probably we know that posting sad and distressing content is to share a common experience, feel less lonely, or unfortunately also sometimes to get an ego boost. And maybe you know what? I'm coming around to it. Maybe if you find your dad dead, maybe you 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 need some people. You're gonna need some people around you, and you're probably gonna need some support. So, like, I'm. I know I came at that one pretty hard, but now that I've thought about it, I think I'm okay with it. I think I'm okay with it. Whatever you need in this moment to help you feel better, take it. I'm live. Used to witness someone fully reverse their thinking life. <laughs> Okay. We may feel gratified and supported by the attention of strangers. There it is. But we never know who is responding to us on social media. Ah, oh, always with the with the follow-up of some looming impending bad thing that could happen. Lots of people like to give advice. I know two dickheads who have a podcast, the advisory, check it out. But few are trained or qualified to help. Well, I mean, you know, how important a qualification. You know, when you're doing a comedy advice podcast, when none of the advice is for people to actually take. Teens should also be aware that continual posting of distress signals vulnerability, making them targets of people who may encourage more distress to feel powerful or who enjoy others' pain. That's fucked. If you're there, like, consuming the content and then you're you know, posting stuff in there to make them feel even worse so that they can keep the sad content coming because you feel joy over other people's pain. Damn. An article needs to be written. Hey, Psychology Today, write an article about that guy. You know, why are they doing that? What are they up to? Chat rooms are particularly bad places to vent anguish as it increases the risk of being targeted by predators. But despite those negatives... Access to mental health resources for many, especially teens, is limited by physical and social barriers. Yeah, it's true. Even here in Australia, it's like, you know, mental health, a lot of mental health stuff isn't, you know, none of it's covered under your, the Medicare shit, and then you've got to like wait months to see people, and then you're paying a fucking ton of money out of pocket. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. Limited access makes online the only place to seek support for mental distress. Many teens genuinely seek support and being accused of sad fishing when they need help makes them feel worse. Damn, that's fucked to think that like in a lot of instances, just 
dumping it on like a TikTok video is all they've got. You know, that's their only that's their only source of processing it or, or really getting any feedback. But then I mean you're you're outsourcing feedback to fucking TikTok. You're not exactly getting the best advice or input. You know, I've seen videos on there about like how to remove a stain from a shirt. And then you see comments in there that are like, don't do this. It'll like fully fuck your shirt up. And it's like, well, I can't. That's, and that's for something as insignificant as getting a stain out of a piece of clothing. Now imagine I'm, I'm fucking inputting someone's, you know, advice for my mental health. And now it fucks me up even worse. There's no way to know if a friend is attention seeking or in serious distress. All such posts should be taken seriously. The best response is to reach out to the friend privately and offer support. The best responses are the ones that express empathy rather than sympathy. Sympathy perpetuates the poor me phenomenon, whereas empathy and compassion say, I get it, how can I help? The best tool is conversation. Start early and talk often so you have an open line of communication and a basis for trust. If you're aware that someone is posting signals of distress, it should not be minimized. It should be followed up on in an open and supportive way, most of all, in a nod and judgmental manner. We all have hard times. It's easy to think you're the one suffering or feeling overwhelmed, and especially now during social isolation. So it sounds like you have people who are, one, you know, genuinely posting this stuff because they need to feel a sense of community and a sense of support, and maybe they don't have access to resources where they can get that help that they need or the advice that they need. Or they just want to feel seen and heard, which I mean, are all valid things. But then it also puts them at risk of, you know, all the dangers like they were talking about. You know, it makes you vulnerable to people online who then want to prey on that stuff. And then it, you know, you also run the risk of taking shitty advice from someone who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. And then you're implementing that and then it fucks the situation up worse. And then even worse, people who aren't actually experiencing any of these bad things and they're just out here sad fishing making some shit up so that they can fucking get some attention for it and to them i would say don't do that don't do that because now you're just making it more difficult for people who actually have these issues and are actually going through these trials and tribulations and these troubles you you sort of alter the the social perception to the point where now people think, oh, this person's actually not going through something. They're just fucking sad fishing. When that might actually not be the case. So if you're sad fishing, you're fucked and you're making it more fucked for people who are actually in need of, you know, some fucking empathy. So to those people, I would say, just make a cooking video where you like, you know, say lemons wrong and keep all your cabinets open and splay out your hands weird when you cut stuff you know when you're cutting up like a when you're slicing up a cucumber like hold it all weird and just comment bait people that's bad that's that's bad advice you know what i'm that's gonna be it for this one i need to um don't listen to what i'm saying you know you gotta talk to people who know what they're talking about unless of course you're just doing this because um you're faking it to get attention in which case not chill hey not chill about that 
that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here and for hanging out. Again, I say it all the time, but I know that you've got a million different things competing for your attention. So I appreciate that you've chosen to spend a little bit of time here with me together. We're learning about stuff, sad fishing, a wild thing that I found out about an hour ago and we learned about it live. Go check out the, uh, the advisory episode. It's going to be called Viral Regrets Obsessive Oversharing on Social Media, where we have a bunch of different questions where people have posted online about their, them dealing with people in their lives oversharing stuff about them and them oversharing online. So go check that out. You know, if you want to keep up to date with me and what's going on, you want to shoot me a message, you can find me at my pixel persona on Instagram or at one weird podcast on Instagram for the show and at BLK Swan Society on TikTok and Instagram for this little network that David and I are doing. It's a little house. It's a digital house where we put our shows that we make and also would like to put other people's shows in that house and help them be seen and heard. Leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. It helps people like you find the show and it makes this drug front look like a real podcast. And that is what it's all about. Perception over reality. That's bad. Let's not go out on that. Um, But it's too late and we've already said it and now we have to. This has been episode 79. Come back for episode 80. I'll see you next time.